Hey guys, this is Ishai Breslauer and welcome to the CRE Shark Eye Show where we discuss commercial real estate. On Mondays, we dive deep into an asset class and on Thursdays, we go into some inspirational stories for the weekend. Can't wait to start. Let's go. Hey guys, before we continue, I would like to introduce you to the seven day CRE challenge, which will introduce you to commercial real estate and will show you that anyone can do this. Also, I have the free cheat sheet for commercial real estate with the six best secrets for commercial real estate. You can download it free. Just click below or above wherever it is and get it. Let's continue. Hey guys, how are you? This is Ishai Breslauer, your host of the CRE Shark Eye Show. Today we have young blood. That's what we have today. And I love it because uh, we got to get inspired by young people doing the right thing. Sam Hakins, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 100%. You know, before we start and digging into, because I'm really excited and I'm really curious of how, how you started the business. You're obviously the managing partner of Blue Diamond Equities, and uh, we want to know a lot about it and what you guys do. But, you know, just a quick elevator pitch of what you guys do, and then let's start with you a little bit. But first, what do you guys do? Um, so we look for multifamily properties um, in and around New Jersey, um, a little bit in Pennsylvania, Delaware. We're looking now a little bit in Connecticut. We look for value. Um, so whether it's a Class A deal that we get again a good cap rate, um, where we don't as much need the upside, as well as obviously the bread and butter value add multifamily, the hard grind, um, you know, bring value to communities and our investors. Sounds exciting. And we'll have a lot to talk about, but you know what, first of all, you, you're, tw- can I share your age? Sure. Sam is 27 years old and, and he, you know what, it's really exciting. I want to know how you got into this whole thing called real estate. How did it all start? Um, so I would say I was about 21 at the time I got back from Israel. Um, I was looking actually at the time to get into management. I always liked, you know, being in an office all day, even though that's what's happening now. But, um, you know, at the time I was, I don't like to sit behind the desk, um, for that many hours a day. Um, I like speaking to people. Uh, and, you know, and taking, making, I like seeing um, and taking projects and completing them. And I thought that management was a very good way for me to, you know, get out there, hustle, grind, and really learn the industry. Um, which, so when I got back from Israel, I actually interviewed to be an intern by a very large multifamily owner. And at the time, I told him, you know, I, I work for free. I just want to learn the ropes. And he told me, he said, Sam, you know, I could see from sitting with you, you have too big of a drive to be sitting here doing this, you know, and I was absolutely crushed, um, you know, and. Well, what did he I tell re- you again? Repeat that again. He told, me I, he, he told me that he could tell by talking to me that I have too big of a drive and that being in the property management, especially as an intern, it just, it, it wouldn't be a good fit for me. And I told him, I said, what do you mean? I'm willing to work for free. Just, I, I just want to break into the, right. to, to the right. industry. And he said, he said, I'm telling you, it's not going to be a good fit for you. Um, that was on a Friday. Um, comes uh, Shabbos. 
that was one of my best friends. Saturday, for uh, those who doesn't know what Saturday, don't know um, what, what Chavez is. Yeah, Chavez go ahead. Um, it was one of my best friends. I get, um, you know, parties right before he got married and I got up to speak and his father actually came over to me. He said, you know, you're, you're little, he said, you know, you're a little charismatic. Um, you know, we're in the brokerage field. You got to come work for me. So that was the next day. Um, Sunday, I actually met with him and his partner. And I ultimately ended up becoming a broker. I took the, the real estate exam, uh, expedited. You know, I actually missed a few classes. But, you know, we all know that becoming a real estate agent, if you put your mind to it, you could get it done pretty quickly. Um, I got my license and I started selling multifamily and office in New Jersey. So I was primarily focused in northern New Jersey, say a county specifically, but I had listings, you know, in Monmouth County as well, um, office, um, as well as some multifamily. So I was there for about three years. Um, I ultimately ended up leaving when the interest rates went, I think this is going back maybe three years ago. I don't know if you remember the interest rate. I'm sure you do remember the interest rates went from three and a half to five for like a quick six, seven months. At that time, I had about $40 million in contract that all blew up in my face. Um, and obviously, it's very disheartening when, you know, I was a young kid, I was hustling, you know, to get $40 million in contracts, I, I thought was pretty impressive. But then I was kind of, do I start from the beginning? Or do I pivot and go to something um, where I could really learn more in the industry? So from there, I, I went into management. I actually went, I went to... Um, one, of the, one of the owners that I knew and I begged him for a job and he said, Sam, I know you've been selling multifamily, but what do you really know about management? So the, actually the, the way um, I, we did brokerage was very old school. We didn't call people on the phone. We would go to their offices, to their houses, knock on the doors, introduce ourselves, then kind of become their friends. And we would walk the, I would walk properties with owners. They would tell me about their issues. So I told um, this guy, I said, you know, I've walked properties. I'm not just behind the desk. Give me a shot. I said, you know what? I'll work for you for free for two weeks. If you like me, give me the position. If you don't like me, then we'll, we'll go our separate ways. Um, and after two days, he actually hired me, you know, because I think, you know, I've always been a go-getter um, and had that mentality of, you know, you got to hustle and prove yourself. Um, so I, I became a regional manager for a company here in Lakewood, we had, I think it was about 700 apart apartments or so, something like that. Um, but it was interesting because when they started, they're, they're a very, very big company now. I think they have like five, 6,000 units. But at the time, they, they maybe had 1,500 and 700 of them were in New Jersey. Um, but when he started, he was buying four, six, 12 family. The biggest property we had in New Jersey was 160 units which obviously had its own, its own office and property staff, but everything else we had um, rotating maintenance, you know, uh, always on the road. There was obviously no property manager because there were such small properties. So besides for being the regional, I was also ultimately the property manager. I was driving 160, 180 uh, miles a day, just circling properties, talking to tenants, dealing with the town. So I learned a tremendous amount in a very, um, short amount of time. Um, and my deal with, with this um, owner, with, with, with my boss, 
was that besides for doing the management, I would be able to sell off his small properties because at that point he realized, you know, you, you don't want to hang on to the small properties. It's just, it becomes, it becomes, especially when you're growing, it becomes a money bit, you lose focus and anything that goes wrong, you don't have the, you know, the multiple units that carry um, the expenses necessarily. Um, so, you know, I sold, I think it was two, two buildings for him. Um, and then we, and then he told me, you know, he only wanted me to focus on the management side of things, which to me, I would have loved to do, but, you know, obviously the pay wasn't, you know, I, I'm always looking at the bigger picture. Um, and I wasn't going to hustle 60 hour weeks for, for the salary I was getting at the time. Um, you know, he told me that if I wanted to come back after he would definitely take me back. But at that point I just made the decision, listen, my wife actually made the decision for me. She said, you always loved real estate. Um, if not now, then when? Um, so I pivoted into looking into purchasing my own properties. Um, I bought my first 26 units in December, 2019. So, so, so one second, before we get into that, because that's exciting, we want to talk, you know, we want to dwell a little bit into that. But beforehand, I want to go back. I, I love that story. And this story is tremendous because, you know, I, you know, when people come to me and they say, listen, I'm a beginner. I want to get into commercial real estate in one, you know, way, form, one shape. And I tell them, listen, the best ways to get into commercial real estate, this is my suggestion usually, and I would love to hear your take on that, is go and try because that's the easiest way to get in uh, and be either an expediter if you're into development or going to management. You know, everybody can do management. You just write. You have to gain experience. You start from the very bottom. And I absolutely loved your story saying to, you know, to this guy, I'll work for free. And he said, listen, your ambitions are too high. Whatever it was, you know, uh, we say Nidish is Bashet, right? It was, not, yeah. it was not meant to be. And, uh, and the other guy was meant to be. So he went to the brokerage site, which obviously taught you a lot more numbers and a lot more on the acquisition side of things. But eventually you got back into the management side of things and you pivoted into that and you learned tremendous, uh, meaning it was, it was unbelievable experiences you described to learn, to talk to tenants, to see in the field, in the pro actually going through the properties, see what the problems are to become a problem solver and to become an expert in the field. I love that story. Um, so going back to what you started saying to us now, at a certain point, your wife says to you, uh, Sam, you have the love for real estate. If not now, when? Let's do this. And you get into this. I love that. That's tremendous uh, talking of support. Um, tell me something. When you got into that, before you tell me about your first property, we'll talk about that. Was there any point of, of support, family said, I'll, you know, we'll give you a little bit of, of capital, do this, start with that, or meaning what was, meaning the very, very beginning has difficulties. How was it for you? Honestly, I, I tell people this all the time. If I would have known how difficult it was, I'm not sure that I would have done it. You know, you know, it was a good thing that I started when I was young because you have that attitude like, yeah, sure, no problem. I can take it down. Um, 
but it definitely there was a lot a lot a lot of challenges um i was you know you know when i was starting obviously and so in terms of support are you asking about support in general or you're when I, when i was going into purchasing my first property in general meaning you're starting obviously when you start your own business you're coming from a place you work for you had some salary you had some income all of a sudden you go to you know to a point where you have nothing it's you and you and you meaning why right, so why I, what's going on in your head what do you do what do you, because a lot of people who are listening to us uh we have those professionals those guys who want to hear and we'll talk about the market first you know later on we'll talk about your strategies but we have also people who are beginners or are close to being beginners call it whatever you want and your experience can give them tremendous inspiration and ideas and strength in order for them to go further uh you know to step forward and to, to actually take that step 100% so i i i be on i didn't have any support um which is crazy and i told this to people all you know people obviously call me and want to sit down and learn about if they should go in what they should do how they should break into ministry and i told them all the time you have to be ready to sit there and literally live on nothing and, and you either believe in yourself um that you're going to make it or 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 just don't do it because being starting off in real estate is not for the faint of heart um it's a lot a lot of work especially breaking in there's a tremendous amount of obstacles um in terms of getting the trust of brokers um getting the financing getting the investing the investors um structuring your deals having a good attorney um that's going to really take care of you there's so many moving parts um that it's just a very like i said if i would have known all the struggles i don't know if i would have jumped in i i'm definitely very very happy that i did um and and i and i would recommend it for somebody that has the you know the hustle mentality that's ready to grind but a lot of people look at the at the industry as look everybody's making a lot of money um you know it seems so easy and, and there's a you know passive investing is obviously an easy thing because you're not really dealing with the day to day um back end of of everything that's going on but um ultimately you have to have that you know go get it mentality and really ready to to really hustle um when you have no income and keep pushing because you believe in yourself tell me something you, was the first thing going after the deal or finding the team meaning the attorney uh finding the right brokers to get you whatever you you have to you have to get uh, the relationship with the financiers what was the first step you went after in order to get the first deal um so for me personally it was a lot of networking with brokers um trying to get people to trust me um so i was i i went after the deal i always had a big belief that you know and it might have been stupid but i believed if i found the right deal the worst case scenario i could i could either flip it or pass it on to somebody else if i couldn't get it done so i i went i personally went after the deal you know um to 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 start just for for a starting point and once i found the deal then i started putting the other pieces into place do you think it was a right decision would you tell someone else to do that or no um it's a good question i would say probably having the equity um sort of lined up is probably the 
you know, the most underrated and most difficult part of doing a deal, especially when you're starting. You know, for me personally, I, I put up a quarter of the deal. So I put all my money where my, where my mouth was. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have um, people that believed in me. Um, so we, we did a pretty quick raise. Um, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say I didn't have any equity because in the back of my mind, I knew that I had a friend that was looking for a 1031, um, which I ultimately ended up taking. But, you know, it's, uh, I, I would say finding equity um, to know that you, you know, because if you don't have the equity and you go to brokers and you ultimately fall off the deal, it's very hard to come back from that um, because you lose all your credibility. That's true. You have to come strong, but it's the, you know, agree with me that it's a bit of the chicken and the egg game. <laughs> you can't 100%. come and tell people, Hey, give me some capital. Give me some money. I'm going to find a great deal without actually having the great deal. Say, Hey, you have a deal. Talk to me. Meaning I'm not going to give you anything right now. So, so, uh, but it's great. Uh, I think it's a great idea to get everybody lined up. That's uh, right. I don't think, I think to do. I don't think necessarily you need the money. I think you need to know that if you found the deal, that you now have who to go to. Correct. Exactly. Right. That's, that's exactly what everybody's talking about. Um, let's step forward and say, you know, you got to the first deal and tell us about the first deal. The first deal was brutal. I was, I was so scared. Again, I put up, I think it was $150,000 at the time. You know, it was everything I had. It was, it was obviously, it was a very um, scary thing. Um, but again, I think it was a lot of, if I'm being honest, naivety. I thought that I, you know, you know, I've done, I've done this, no big deal. I've done it for other people. Why can I do it for myself? Um, obviously, when you own something, it's a little bit different when you own it personally. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was, it was, it was definitely. A very interesting experience. I, I went to, you know, I'm a very big believer in giving people a first shot. You know, I, I not that I'm anywhere today, but, uh, you know, I didn't get to where I am without other people helping me. Um, I've sat, you know, when I was starting off, I would sit by friends that own hundreds and thousands of units um, to help me look at deals and analyze. Um, so, uh, you know, I gave my first loan to somebody that was just starting out um, in the brokerage, you know, the mortgage space, obviously he had a supervisor and a boss, but, you know, it was, it was a very challenging because I did that. I wouldn't suggest that, you know, unless you're, you're ready to, uh, to really uh, get put through the fire. I think I got retraded twice or three times, you know, throughout the, the loan process, you know, I wanted a non-recourse, and then I got a burn-off recourse. Um, I, they told me that I could sign, then they told me I, uh, I could sign on the loan, then they told me I needed somebody else, um, which I got one of my investors to sign with me. And then they said, that's not either good, so I had to get a third person to sign. You know, the person with the 1031 anyways had to sign, so we were going to do, you know, obviously two signatures on the loan, and then I had to get a third. It was just you know, trying to convince people to give you money is one thing. Trying to convince somebody to sign on a loan with you, that's a Bruno free course, is a whole nother animal. Yes, whole other animal. Without a doubt. I love that story. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about the deal itself. How many units was that? So my first deal was uh, 26 units. 26 units. Was it a value add? Would you recall so I, more, more aggressive type? Core plus? Was it? Uh, right, so I'll tell you, I, my strategy, and I, and, I, and I still think this is a good strategy for people breaking into the business. I went to a less desirable area but I found a good product in, in, in a small pocket in, in the less desirable area. So I was coming in at a much better basis. So I looked at it as I'm really mitigating my risk of, you know, where I'm, if I mess up, I would have to really mess up to really, you know, be in a jam. Um, so that was, that was my, uh, my thought process. So I, I went into, you know, I got a better cap rate than would trade in other markets. Um, at the time I didn't, think it was a very high, obviously the market shifted a lot in the past year and a half um, but at the time I thought there was maybe you know fifty dollars a unit to move the rents but I wasn't I was looking at it as a cash flow long-term hold you know it's, it's funny but when you start off you think that your 26 units is everything um, so I, I was gonna hold it for 10 years we were in cash like crazy we got a year of interest only you know so it was, it was just the deal that we were going to hold forever. And what happened in the end? You didn't hold it forever. No, no so actually, no, so I, we still own it. Um, we, we obviously, we're, not obviously, but we're, you know, we got hit from this building because it's, in a, it's not in a great area. We got hit a lot during COVID. Uh, we still cash flowed over 10% throughout COVID, which is, you know, very, for us, we, you know, we, we were happy with that, but we definitely lost on the 26 units, I would say, maybe $75,000, it's unbelievable. Um, but, um, tell you me know, something, right now. Tell me something, when you got into this, when you were presented with this deal, and you wanted to get into this deal, was COVID already out there or, or not? Not even, no, no, it was December, uh, we, we closed December 2019, so we, we were in the deal for a good two, three months beforehand. That's amazing, you start a business, you go into a deal, and you just you you're a newbie and bam COVID hit how was that it was very very scary um obviously you know with the recourse hanging over your head but you know my strategy always is and i, and I hope always will be you know we do we, i do everything in-house in terms of management so we double down on the management um we cut expenses where we can um and we really you know try to communicate with the tenants i remember I think it was the first or second month when everybody was not sure. So, so I'll point out well, one of the good things in this deal was there, there was a lot of, there is um, not as much now, but there was a lot of section eight. So we, I, I was kind of looking at the fact that I could probably, if I just get two tenants to pay that are not section eight, I'll be able to cover my bills. Um, even if it's not making money, I would be, you know, I would be able to get by. Um, but I think it was the second month in COVID we, we actually had, we raffled off a 55 inch TV. Um, so we got a lot of tenants to pay rent. You know, if you paid, you know, we, that property in particular, we have tenants that are paying, you know, the 20th of the month, the 25th of the month. Um, but with that, that month, we definitely had, you know, I would say 85% paying before the fifth. Um, everybody was very excited. So we were trying to think of ways where, whether it's communication, whether it's, you know, incentivizing, to just, you know, to, to get people to pay the rent 
um, so we didn't have to be in a disastrous situation. You know what? It sounds like you got into this whole thing called affordable housing. That's what it sounds like. You got, you got into a uh, D-class, literally. Um, yeah. That's how it sounds like. You need, you, you, how do you say, it get guts to get into those, you know, uh, classes. And um, how was it in the beginning? How did you manage? You have to know how to treat tenants, how to deal with tenants. This is not a simple thing. What, what went through your head? When you right. were so, planning so, it and executing. So again, because I was previously, you know, dealing with so many tenants uh, prior. So obviously we, within the 700 units, we had many um, that were on subsidy or whatever it was. Um, and not all the properties were the most beautiful properties. So I definitely got the experience of dealing with all shapes and colors, um, which gave me, you know, the confidence, but also the experience um, to deal with, you know, w w whatever was thrown my way. Um, I can't say that I dealt with everything the best possible way, but I think, you know, ultimately we did a pretty good job um, in getting, um, you know, our retention rate, you know, obviously COVID, you know, there, there was a lot of people just living rent-free, but our retention rate was, it was a lot better than, you know, the past, to five, six years when the old owner had the property. You know, we, when you offer, and I'm a big believer in this, when you offer a good management service, especially in an affordable housing market where a lot of landlords tend not to care, um, it just gives people, you know, first of all, the drive to pay because they don't want to lose it. Um, and it, 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 it forces the relationship that hopefully with that relationship will push them to pay the rent on time or deal, you know, deal with issues properly. But, you know, there's always going to be people that are going to scream and they're going to, you know, they're going to talk to your staff or whatever it is. And sometimes you just have to put them in their place. Listen, it sounds like uh, you've gained so much experience in such an early age. It's phenomenal. I love it. Um, moving forward. Um, today you said you had, a pretty impressive portfolio, and I want to talk about that. Um, after that deal, how did it go from that point? What your strategy became, and how are you executing it until today, considering COVID was going on? Right. So um, right after that deal, um, we were, I was, you know, I got the bug. I, I loved it. It was, you know, it, I, I love the industry. I love. I, I live and breathe real estate. Um, so we went into contract on two other properties. We went into contract on a 54-unit property and a 46-unit property. Um, it's funny. Funny enough, um, the 54 54-unit pro property. I'm actually still on contract um, because the, there's a tax pilot involved, and the town refused to transfer the pilot. They wanted to raise the taxes, um, but I became good friends with the seller, so. I just decided to wait it out and we're actually still dealing with it today. Um, so that one didn't, didn't close yet, but um, we went to contract on a 46 unit property. Um, um, you know, obviously COVID came and it was very, very scary. Um, you know, I, I was not sure if I should dump the deal or, or what, what, I, what I should do, um, you know, because every, you know, I know at least now that I don't know everything. Um, so when everybody's talking about, you know, 
nobody's paying rent and how so how could I responsibly go to investors and ask them for equity if I don't know if we'll be able to carry the property um, so we, we you know we looked at it a long time we were following the rent trends so we actually pushed off closing you know I think twice to you know to see exactly where the collections were which you know thank god they were in the high 90s um, so that that was a, a factor for us. We also structured with the owner that they would leave some money in escrow for two months post closing, and if my collections dip below ninety percent, I could draw from that. So we were trying to be very strategical, um, you know, ho hoping that COVID would end soon and the eviction moratorium would be lifted, but also you know really be able to wrap our our hands around the property. Uh, for at least 60 days and, and, and we get comfortable knowing that that things were continuing in the trajectory that it was going till now. Listen, moving forward from today, what type of uh, assets, what type of properties you're looking for and uh, what strategies you're going to implement? What do you think? Um, so recently we've purchased two class A deals. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a shift. Out. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, people ask me what my niche is. No, I'm, I'm very opportunistic because I come from a brokerage uh, background. I look at the numbers. It, it always comes down to, to what the numbers are telling me. So if I'm, you know, we just bought a $56 million deal in Fort Lee um, at stabilization, we're going to be at about a five and a half gap or higher when you're, you know, Fort Lee, New Jersey on the water is easily a four and a half gap or below market. So to me, you know, and there's a value add component because we took it over after a lease up during, during COVID. So to me, that was a no brainer. You know, we, we bought a $56 million deal where the valuation on the appraisal came in at 60 plus. Um, so so that, that to me, you know, was, was a no brainer. And at the same time, two weeks after that, we bought a value, a heavy value add 101 units um, in Newton, New Jersey, where the rents are. How long after was that? Uh, we we ended up we all, we ended up closing like maybe eighty million dollars in deal with, in deals within the past three months three and a half months. That's incredible. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe ninety million. Yeah, that's incredible. Tell me something. In order to get to those deals, obviously you created relationships. You have relationships. You were a broker, but um, in order to move forward so fast with acquisitions, what would you say and what is your strategy? in order to get there in terms of right, the right staff, the right people around you? What is your game plan in order to get to move so fast, you know, so fast in order to get to those properties and actually close on them? Right, so to me, it's all about investing in your company and your employees um, and everything like that. So I've spent a tremendous amount of money um, hiring the right guys um, that work you know, alongside me in terms of acquisition, asset management, um, just property management. I, you know, we have a regional manager now. Um, you know, office staff, back end office. You know, it. it I, I think that that people have the struggle of when do you switch over, and they try to um, take you know take as much money out of management for themselves, and, and then ultimately end up hiring somebody. The problem is if you take over a property. And then you start looking for somebody. Um, it's kind of, you know, 
the property and your investment may and probably will suffer because you're trying to do too much at the same time. So my strategy is, and I think always will be, is, you know, really investing money into your team and building a team. So when you're ready to take over an acquisition or you're ready to, um, you know, look for another property, you have the pieces in place um, to be able to do that efficiently and, you know, not lose your investors' money or credibility. I think this is, uh, this is great. I love that strategy. Tell me something. You said in the beginning that uh, you focus on the tri-state area mostly, right? Um, and you started saying Connecticut, even Delaware. Tell us a little bit more about it. Um, so my strategy um, is, you know, very hands-on management. Um, I think that besides the fact that you're able to control expenses, you know, in terms of, you know, there's so many examples, I'm sure you know, um, where you're doing third-party management, you don't know, you know, and there's a lot of great third-party management companies, but when you own a property, you're going to make sure that you're getting the best product for the best price. Um, you know, usually I would say most people would, I, I can't speak for everybody. Um, so I like to be, you know, an hour 45 to two hours from our main office. So God forbid, if anything happens, we could have somebody there within two hours assessing whatever needs to be assessed and really making sure that everything gets taken care of. Um, so, I everything start- goes, so it sounds to me like everything goes after the fact that it's an in-house management shop and that's why you need to be very close to the properties. I Meaning otherwise you will need to do that. But um, and it sounds great. Um, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry I stopped you, but I just wanted to, to put an, an emphasis on that. Yeah, go ahead. Right. No, I think it's a great thing to have third-party management if, if, if that's what you, you know, you're comfortable with and not, not everybody has the, the time or the energy to get into management. It's a very, it's a very tedious job. You're, you're dealing with a lot of people, um, you know, with a lot of different things, you know, whether it's townships or state level or attorneys or tenants or just so, so many different moving parts. Um, so definitely, you know, it's management, I think, you know, people think that it's something where you're going to get rich from being a manager. You know, I, 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 I personally don't see it that way. I just see it as something where I'm using it to protect my investment. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. In, 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 the, in the first deal that I bought, we had um, the tail end of a hurricane hit the roof. Um, so it blew it off. We had three three units damaged, and obviously we had to replace the roof. I brought down maybe four or five different companies um, that were quoting it at sixty to eighty-five thousand. We ultimately ended up getting for twenty-nine thousand with a fifteen-year manufacturer's warranty. So you know, it's just something where if you're on top of it and you really care um, and you're really involved and you have the contacts locally, you could really leverage that to really save. Um, you and your investors a lot of money. Sounds, uh, so I, I love the way you think. I love the way you put out your strategies. It's great. I really love it. It's great. And, uh, and it sounds like you are relentless. You're like unstoppable. You're going forward. You're looking for more stuff and more stuff. I love that part. Tell me something. Today, talking about your team today, what, does your team consist? You started talking about, but, but, but in terms of number, are you like a big shop, a medium shop, a very small shop, lean? How, how would you define yourself 
and in terms of your ambitions and where you're going with the business? Um, I would say right now we're, you know, we don't, you know, we don't, although we have, uh, uh, you know, our portfolio in value is high, we don't have that many units. We only have 450, something like that. That's not that many units. And growing. Uh, and growing, yeah, God willing. Um, we have an asset manager, underwriter, um, regional manager, um, a, a secretary, um, and uh, which actually now we're looking to hire a construction manager to, to oversee, you know, turnovers and capex as well. And in terms of acquisitions, uh, someone who does the an analyst, or you you have right. so so right. So I, I know. So I have right now. We have a two-on-one acquisition slash asset manager. So he's phenomenal, phenomenal with numbers. You know, so we have, we have, we interviewed multiple people. You know, I would say probably twenty. But this guy um, just blew me blew me away. He he really understands how to you know analyze and and really you know do the proper research in terms of you know, putting proper procedures in place. If it's getting you know all these different you know third party you know co-star or you know now we're looking into Moody's you know just to understand area growth. But um, there's there's so many things that you could use to really understand the areas that you're looking into, um, but you have to have somebody that's really good at analyzing numbers and really understanding why a number is a number instead of just putting a, a number on a paper. I love it. You're so focused on that, and it's great. Uh, coming back to talk about giving good advice to young people who want to get into it. What would you tell someone who wants to get into this business? What would be the first thing you would tell them to do? And what would be the thing you tell them to look after and not do? I would say the thing to do is to align yourself with good people. Having good people in your corner is ultimately, you know, it's really not about, you know, what you, what you know. I mean, it, it, it's not like you, you might have some experiences used leveraging your relationships for what everybody knows to really, you know, give you a full picture of things that you might not even known existed. Um, so I think that's, you know, if it means going and taking a management job, you know, I tell this to people, and this is what I would say not to it. People tell me, you know, what do you think about uh, me just jumping into real estate? And I, I said, you know, at the end of the day is if you're able to pull it off and get a deal together, if you're not able to manage the deal, then it's useless. You know, the hardest thing to do is to, to really understand what it takes to manage a property and what it's going to take in terms of numbers and what you should be, you know, you, we all know, in, you know, when, when somebody has an issue, you'll have people that are trying to take advantage. I think you should spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. If you don't understand the issue yourself, you'll have no idea if you spent the money wisely or not. Um, so I think the, the first thing to, the, the first thing to do is to really align yourself either in a management or partner with somebody that has that experience, um, but to just jump into something without having any clue because it sounds nice. And, you know, obviously, you know, for, for us that are in the industry, we obviously love it. For, I would say for the most part, I, everybody that I know in real estate lives and breathes it. It's just, you know, it's not really a job. Um, it's something that we love to do. You know, obviously sometimes it feels like a job, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's just, you're, you're experiencing so many things with so many people. You're really helping out a lot of people. I love, you know, taking, taking properties and really 
know, enhancing the experience of tenants. You know, it's it's the, it's a great it's the greatest thing when you take over a property and you get all these compliments uh, about how your you know people feel like they're being taken care of, and ultimately they have a nice place to live instead of people just neglecting them. But you know, again, I would say you know you really really gotta align yourself with the right people if you want to go anywhere. Tell me something. That's I love that. Um, when we are now looking ahead at the market. What do you think about what's going on? Honestly, you know, it's, it's, you, you gotta be, I think the big key in real estate is you have to be very principled. Um, and, I, and, you know, and I tell this to brokers all the time, you know, we get, we look at a good 20 plus deals a week. Um, you know, I tell people I'm not a fund and, and I, and I, ha- and I, I'm always conservative um, to a certain extent, obviously we're, we're purchasing things, which may seem aggressive to, to some people, but at the same time, we always have a reason for why we're doing what we're doing. And the market that we're seeing today, where people are buying the sub four caps, um, with, it's just, it's honestly, it's very scary to me. Um, and the, right now, today, we're passing on multiple deals, but we're taking another strategy of, you know, trying to reach out to people directly or trying to go through brokers and put in offers that, I've never seen the market because the, the deals that are on the market, there's so much money on the street, you know, and my biggest worry for a lot of these people that are, that are purchasing, you know, they've been very lucky within the past couple of years that real estate has only been going up. But if there's any uptick in interest rates or, and then cap rates ultimately rise and you bought a four cap and you brought it to a five cap, but now the, the, the deals are trading at a five, five and a quarter cap, there's no exit for you. There's, there's no way to refinance your loan. It's, uh, nobody has a crystal ball, as we say. 100%. But, right, but the market, you know what? So, some people are very excited about the market and where it's going, you know, the shifts, you know, between the urban to the suburban. And now some people say it's going back, but um, I agree with you. Nobody knows where the interest rates are going to go and nobody knows uh, you know, the cap rates are going to go in every, by the way, cap rates are something that are, you have to look at the individual area. You have to look at the area and understand the area. That's what you have to understand. You have to understand the market you're getting into. Um, and uh, a lot of people are starting to mix up between markets and talking about cap rates within uh, one cap rate, a cap rate in NYC, whether it's a, it's a pre-COVID Post-COVID, doesn't matter. And the cap rate in, in, uh, in Boise, Idaho, are different cap rates. And for different reasons, it, these are different markets. And you have to understand the markets and the, and the supply and demand. Um, tell me something. Can you tell everybody, Sam, how to find you, whether they're investors, brokers? Um, how do they find you? Obviously, guys, you can see the links below and above. Uh, but um, Sam will tell us, Sam, tell us, please, how, how can they find you? I think I'm most active on LinkedIn, although I haven't been so active recently, but um, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of LinkedIn. Um, so you could find me at Sam Hakens on LinkedIn. But other than that, um, we have, you know, it's, you could email me at sam at bdequities.com. Um, B, uh, for BD is Blue Diamond. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, you know why we're called Blue Diamond? Why? Tell me. 
I, I, I believe, first of all, I, I, I think if you Google this, the blue diamond is the most expensive diamond. But I believe real estate is, if you find the right deal, it's a diamond in the rough. Um, and you could really take a property. You know, we, I'll tell you, we just bought this. You know, I was mentioning before, we bought this 101 unit property. It, was, it used to be a shoe factory. And then it, it was called Marion Gateway Apartments. We renamed it uh, the Cobbler Lofts because the cobbler takes the shoes and makes them nice and fixes it up. So it was a shoe factory. We, we hope our, our goal is to fix up the property and bring it back to its original glory. Um, Beautiful. I love it. Um, right? Sam, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. It was fun thank and you. very inspiring too. And um, that's it. You guys, I think that you guys got a very good idea of what it is and how it is. And that's why we bring also young guys because sometimes we bring those uh, you know, the big guys who are six in their 60s or upper 50s or even their 70s, and they tell you about their lives and how they built this whole humongous business or even medium business, doesn't matter. But it's uh, for younger guys, very tough to relate. And you, you see Sam, he's 27 years old, no excuses, has done that with all the hardships and still doing it and kicking. And uh, please God, Sam, we want to hear a lot about uh, how this business is going to grow and going to go forward. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. You guys take care. I'll see you in the next show. Hey guys, thanks for joining me in this CRE Shark Eye show. I hope you enjoyed it. And go subscribe, download, do whatever you guys need to do. And I'll see you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves.